we are back for episode 72 of the Mars Hill Sports Podcast. Luke, it's great to be back. How are you doing? It's great to be back indeed. Uh, doing good. You know, the weather's good. It's kept up. Uh, finals are kind of hitting me right now, but we're in the middle of that. We're in the trenches, but uh, we're getting them done one by one, I guess. How have you been doing? Yeah, like the end of my semester hasn't been super crazy. Um so I've been spending some time on the golf course and kind of chilling out on a couple of other things, kind of just taking some me time. Uh, so, yeah, that's good. We had our final Mars Hill meeting this last yeah. week as well. That was sad. Yeah, it um, was. It was a lot of fun, though. And uh, it's hard to, like, let, it's weird, like, letting go of all these things. I mean, like, especially, like, the sports podcast, I think, for me. I think that's, like, the weirdest thing that it's just, like, it's just gone you know yeah so it'll just be there yeah like like, you won't have anything to do with it anymore exactly so um it looks like it looks like we might have a sports editor next year who's going to be taking over the sports podcast so awesome alive and well is uh it will be the mars hill sports podcast so nice it'll still have a beating heart then exactly yeah maybe not as maybe not as frequent as uh we had some blood some bad blood pressure we were pretty frequent Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah (laughs) oh man i'm like pretty tired though like i don't really know why but i'm just like i i feel like after the end of a semester it's like you're just a bit exhausted you know yeah i i feel that a lot especially the spring semester yeah well i mean you're going through it for the whole year so like everything's going to catch up to you, I feel. But I mean, hey, we made it, man. We're going to be out of here pretty soon. Yeah, like re- like for real out of here. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, do you have an episode dedication for us? Yes, I do. Okay. So this one is quite unique, quite niche. Um, so basically, whenever I'm boarding class, right, which is a lot, I'll look up highlights. And basically, uh, I try to look up teams that I like enjoy watching, like that play like fast paced uh, basketball, hockey, whatever you want to call it. But most of the time, I find myself watching Atalanta highlights the team in the Serie A because they have quite a sneaky team, man. Like they've been like three years running, they've been the top goal scorers in the Serie A, and it's been not close as well. Uh, and so I was just looking at a few of their highlights and one of their main guys, uh, Josip Ilicic, he wears number 72. So I'm thinking, Hey man, like this one, this one's for you, Yosef. Uh, uh, you know, take this one on the chin, I guess. Cause he's quite, he's quite nasty on, on the pitch. Uh, and they play a real team game out there in Atalanta. So yeah. shout out to Mr. Ilicic for that with that one. That's a good show. Yeah. I, I I dig that. Atalanta's had like a really solid year as well. Like they they've kind of been like really sneaky good for the last like two years here. Yeah, they're kind of assuming what Napoli was in like the mid 2010s. You know, totally. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Now, Napoli's falling falling a little bit. Are they are they are they they're still like decent, but they're not like yeah. as good as they were. Where they were like arguably the second best team in the Serie A. Yeah, like I'll say like they're underperforming for sure. Right. Uh, with the with the talent that they have, like I think they should be doing a lot better. But. Is Merrick Hamshik still there? No. Oh, he's uh okay, so Hamshik went to China. Oh. And then I think like a couple of weeks ago he went to Denmark, maybe. Oh, really? He's kinda he's been a bit of a traveling man, so Yeah, probably ever since Napoli, hey. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I had a Hamshik jersey when I went to Italy in grade eight. I I bought a Merrick Hamshik jersey because I love Merrick Hamshik. So. He's sick. He's so good, especially like prime Hamshik. Like he was actually gross, man. So yeah. like so skilled and just like the the like the long balls he would send and just like the goals he would score, just so nasty. Yeah, plus the so. filthy haircut as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, Napoli had some like that, like front, that like attacking duo of Hamshik and Cavani. Yeah, that was a crazy duo. They were so good together. Super underrated. Yeah, yeah. that was th- those were probably Cavani's best days. Yeah, because ever since he's kind of like he's been solid, but not like like a top 
five striker in the world really yeah so. not like what he once was totally yeah 100 um question for you yeah uh there's something in the description do you know that thing uh oh timestamps yeah those time things yeah, yeah yeah what happens if you press on it it'll take you <laughs> to the exact second where you tap it so for example if you want to check out our interview later and it happens at 32 minutes and 50 seconds and you tap on it it'll take you right to that moment it's crazy right okay i think i'm understanding and apparently there's some new technology being developed that like you get right in the zoom call with us so you get to see yeah. our faces too that'd it's be crazy if pretty that's nice real. that'd be so sick if it's real hey yeah yeah um actually i have a quick question for you before you like we move on what are like some of your favorite sports highlights ever just like single highlights Oof. Uh, I think, okay, the number one that's coming to my mind was uh, Jose Canesco and the baseball hitting his head and then going over the, Yeah, I think that's so funny. It's a good one. Uh, I usually rely on that a lot. Um, Okay, my go-to though is the Champions League quarterfinal between Tottenham and Man City, that 4-3 game. That was an unbelievable game because I watched it live as well. And uh, it's always, like, the one highlight I always go back to, like, the one game, for sure. I would say that. I remember that game. That game was crazy. My brother is a Tottenham fan, and I'm an yeah. Arsenal fan, so I was giving him the beans when, I think it was Sterling, yeah. scored a goal, but it was, like, offside, ruled offside. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, like, giving him the beans. Like, we were, like, FaceTiming while we were doing it. I'm, like, like cussing him out and stuff and, like, giving him <laughs> everything giving ever everything i got and then all of a sudden it's like var oh he's offside and i remember just being like and then tottenham won like a minute later yeah so uh bad memories but that's fair i think i think some of my favorites alex burrow's goal in game seven is like probably alex burrow slaying the dragon that's probably my number one uh crosby golden goals up there too just two iconic moments um but another one is troy deeney's goal against Leicester. that's probably my number one uh that actually might be my number one that is the like most electric moment i think i've ever seen in sports yeah like i get chills when i see it and all the fans running on the pitch after like they are the amount of drunk englishmen who grace the pitch after Dini just smashes that volley in and like it was a sick goal too like it was and like after the pen the crazy penalty save like oh to and and like what was on the line like it like what was on the line was nuts too it was like yeah. full-on like promotion yeah yeah so insane yeah that 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 is definitely up there for like craziest moments in sports ever that is an electric moment that i will never forget so yeah yeah anyways um big news actually speaking of soccer in the world football in world football yeah and uh we we have some uh luke luke i know i knew luke was gonna definitely want to talk about this i wanted to talk about this as well but the uefa super league yeah it's just called like the football it's just the super league super league three or super league like evgeny malkin last week um i that like i want to hear your thoughts on this why don't you draw this situation out for us too so basically yeah sunday night Apparently, we had 12 of the world's biggest soccer clubs kind of uh, break off from their domestic league, uh, their respectful uh, football association and UEFA completely just broke ties with them, saying that they're going to form their own league called the Super League. Uh, It was going to be initially funded by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, that American investment bank. Uh, and basically you had Fiorentino Perez, the president of Real Madrid, and Ed Woodward, 
the chair, the former chairman of Manchester United kind of spearheading this operation. And so basically you had the big six in England and then Atletico, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and then Juventus, AC and Inter Milan kind of uh, spearheading the charge. So they wanted to form a super league uh, that would be a midweek competition uh, that would give, that would kind of rival the Champions League in a way. Uh, and so as a result of this, um, if you entered into the league, each team would be granted a minimum of 350 million dollars, uh, pardon me, 350 million euros. Uh, and then they would also be compensated with like 3.5 billion euros as well for the offset from revenue lost during COVID. Uh, so this brought a lot of anger and frustration from fans, pundits alike. Like everybody was incredibly against uh, this idea. And I think it was mostly because the owners never talked to anybody, um, never consulted the, the manager's owner, sorry, the manager's players, fans. Nobody was really consulted. They just kind of decided to, to split off Sunday night and that was it. Uh, and then come Monday, uh, Monday and Tuesday, well, mostly Monday, there's a lot of uh, uproar, riots, protests kind of at the stadiums. Uh, banners being flown around and stuff like that. And then uh, yesterday, basically, we kind of saw the first domino uh, in this operation uh, kind of go down when Chelsea decided to leave the Super League and get back with uh, just the regular English football. And then next came Man City. And then that's when the dominoes really started to fall. And all of a sudden, in a matter of 48 hours, uh, the Super League was no more. Boom. Yeah. Probably a good thing too. So I think it goes against like the entire notion of like football is for everyone, which is like something that like there's literally being campaigns about this, you know, like you're essentially ruling out every smaller club. And like, there are a lot of really good smaller clubs out there that like, would deserve to be in this kind of thing but are just being done dirty plus like these are guys like uh, all these players would be like like exclusively limited to like exclusively limited to limited to this league basically like once yeah. you're in it's going to be hard to get out and like teams aren't going to want to do transfer business with these super league clubs either no like i don't know i think I think it really goes against the grain of like what football should be all about. And I think it also just like, I think it's just like super like shameful. Like, mm -hmm. sure. I get it. Sports are all about money. Like, I don't know if you heard about this NFL headline, but like they've talked about how like they're opening it up, opening up Jersey numbers for a bunch of guys. Um, so like wide receivers, basically like college football now where like, a wide receiver can wear number three. That's going to be a thing in the NFL in the coming, in at least the next year at the least. Mm -hmm. So um, the NFL also made a statement today saying like, okay, players are going to have to buy Jersey inventory that is remaining if they want that number of their current Jersey, because the NFL has lost so much revenue from COVID. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's that stupid because they're like, okay, but you can also just switch your number free of cost a year later. Mm -hmm. So for like the 2022, 2023 season. So I think that's entirely different, but like this for me, it's like, you're essentially changing the entire framework of world football just so like you can benefit from it. And 99.9% .9 of the football clubs in the world don't benefit. Yeah. That's wrong. Well, it's the owners only getting something out of it, really. Exactly. Uh, and plus, like, you have, like, these uh, kind of external owners, like these American owners, like, not knowing anything about soccer. So, they're of course, like, they're not going to really care about the history and the tradition of it. 
because like once you enter into like a competition like that then there is no need for history it's basically just like a clean slate to starting out uh and like these 12 clubs like arguably have some of the richest history in in the world because that's how they garnered their success so i mean except for maybe man city to a degree but like they're still within that category right like um it's crazy and so we've just seen like a ton of dominoes fall but also just like seeing how like close uh it could really get to being something like that because i wouldn't be surprised if we did see something like that in the future just just because i think there's like potential because on paper i think it, it like it makes sense right from an owner standpoint it definitely makes sense to enter into a league like that but the fact that they kind of they didn't consult anybody they just went ahead with it was just like appalling yeah like the again like yeah it's just like completely on your own accord and this is literally just a money grab like completely on their own accord these owners were just going out there and being like okay well this is our best business decision so why don't we do it plus i i feel like this like loses a lot of faith in fans in fifa is already the most corrupt organization like I don't trust a single thing that happens in world football. It's the shadiest business. Yeah. So I don't know, like it, for me, I'm just like, it's pretty hard to like sit here and be like, yeah, like this is completely fine. Mm-hmm. Like no one thinks that I don't no. know a single like fan of any club who's been like, yeah, let's do this because it just takes every ounce of history and tradition out of like their club as well like everything that you worked for your like your epl your epl uh campaign victories your la liga titles anything like that doesn't mean anything anymore yeah it's all it's all moved up into this stupid super league so yeah and i think yeah because i was having a conversation with one of my buddies last night and i mentioned how like it affects the legacy of the club but it also affects the legacy of the of the players because I think I like for me as a sports fan, I love talking about the legacy of players and like comparing them like across generations, even though it's like, you can't, can't be done. Right. I love having those kind of arguments, but you can't do that with the players that are part of the super league. And for me, that was like a really tough thing to like swallow just because you won't be able to, you can't right? Like they're all just there because it takes them away from like champions league victories takes them away from world cups, euros, Copa Americas, like whatever, like national club domestic, it doesn't matter at that point. And like this also, I think like denotes like the, in a sense, I think it denotes like the impressiveness that comes with like winning a champions league. It's Mm -hmm. such an impressive feat and going against that and saying we're just going to go start our own thing where it's like what how many clubs were involved 16 uh 12 initially they were wanting to get it to 20 right so if you do that i think it's i i just think it's super shady and super like it, it takes also it just takes away the impressiveness of your club like Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man U, all these clubs should be content with like what they had originally, right? Um, and I mean, hey, like for Arsenal, I like, I like understood, I probably understood the business aspect of this a little more because Arsenal is like kind of, kind of booty. And this is like a path to like basically the Champions League just because of money being the eighth most mm-hmm. valuable club in the world. That's, like I get that a little bit more than like Real Madrid wanting to do it, but it's still inexcusable no matter what. So I hate it on like every level. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. I couldn't say it any better. Um, Cause like the rich just want to get richer. Right. But totally. Yeah. Like at the same time, like, cause that's, that's the thing. And then we're talking about like ownership models because I've been, as a Manchester United fan, like, I'm not even surprised that, like, we spearheaded this, right? Uh, like, I, of course, I was disappointed, but, like, of course I knew because, like, it's it starts with the owners, man. Like, for me, I think the, the success of a club starts with the owners. 
and then it trickles down, right? Like you lead by example when you're in such a high position. Um, and so it, it was just stunning to me, but the fact that, you know, even players like stood up and kind of put their jobs on the line as well. Like Jordan Henderson kind of calling a meeting between all the Premier League captains. Yeah. Uh, uh, then you acquire and like Bruno Fernandez all like going on social media and stuff like that was like really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that like made me realize for like, at least at my club, like the players still recognize like that history and tradition mean more than just trying to make more money, make more money. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I, there's no doubt to me that I think the league would sell well, but I think a lot of people would honestly, I think a lot of supporters would leave the club. Like, honestly, I think, if, if they ended up going through with this and let's say everyone who was involved, like all the 12 teams that were originally involved decided that they were like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, I think a lot of supporters would leave the club out of shame. Honestly. Yeah. Cause I and, asked, sorry, go and, ahead. And it, it just like, it's like, like shame about like just the lack of ethics yeah. like in the club. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I, because I was texting my friends yesterday and I asked them, which club are you guys going to support now? And I got a few of them said Leeds. One of them said Crystal Palace. And I said either Leicester or Aston Villa. Yeah. Who would you have supported? I think it depends. Probably Everton. Fair. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've always had a weird soft spot for <laughs> Everton. I don't really know why, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. Leeds would be cool. I would mm-hmm. definitely consider Leeds. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hadn't like thought maybe West Ham too. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like it is a shame and I am upset that ownership of all those 12 teams, Arsenal included, were down for it. And yeah. that it's like the people that basically have to be the ones to intervene and players. Yeah. Like everyone who makes the game of football essentially disagreed with it. And that's yeah, a shame that's a good point. That yeah. That it was just ownership. Like and like I know I and, and like already for Arsenal fans, like we hate our owners. Yeah. And rightfully so. The Cronkies like don't do anything for the club. They don't invest any money. And that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, yeah, Cronky out. Yeah. <laughs> I think every Arsenal fan field is all over Cronky out. So, yeah. Well, it's been like that for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, but it's been really bad recently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not all about it. But, um, hey, the LA Rams look great because they, they're owned by the Cronkies and, uh, everything's fine there. Not, well, not in England, though. Everything is going well in Tampa Bay because the Glazers own Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I hate that. I hate this stuff. Like yeah. it actually pisses me off. Like I hate it yeah. so much. Me too. So, uh, I'm glad it's not happening. Yeah. Anymore. Holy. Yeah. Like I think. I think also like ownership is realizing like oh they probably realized they beefed up hard. Yeah. They must be. Yeah, because I was watching this video this morning of like, and it was this guy reacting to the Glazers' response to this. And he brought up a good point because he said like, they're not sorry that they did it, but they're, they're sorry that it didn't go through basically. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good point because because now like as an owner – like, are you going to, like, step up and actually, like, reach out to, like, the fans? Or what are you going to do? Because... Oh, I don't think any of them will. They're no, all pissed exactly. off, probably. Yeah. Yeah. In all in all honesty, I think it's just going to be the exact same. And I'd be very surprised. Because the, be- the best possible thing that the owners can do in this situation, like, for, A, public relations for the club, like, for the reputation of the club in itself... Uh, and for like the fans as well is to sell, to sell the club and get out. That's like the best possible thing that they can do for themselves as well, because now their reputation uh, is like, it's basically unforgivable at this point amongst the fans. Yeah. So it'll be super interesting to see. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know a whole lot about the whole resignation from Ed Woodward, but I know that's a really good step in the right direction. Uh, yeah, the guy who essentially spearheaded it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that because to me, that seemed like something like he's untouchable. Like, yeah. he will never leave. Yeah. But the fact that he left, like, gives me, like, a little bit of hope. Depending yeah, the, like, who... the people have power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Democracy wins. Comes in. <laughs> yeah. Yet again. Yeah. But yeah, so. depending who comes in, right? Like, because I've heard a few rumors as well. So we'll see 100 anyways should we get on to the andrew gertson interview yes definitely yeah it's been an absolute slice talking about this and we will see you on over at andrew's interview now jumping on today's episode he said that uh we were gonna get a lot uh, a lot of listens if he got on and uh he's also one of my best friends so this is kind of weird uh, we now welcome on to talk about how he peaked in high school, Andrew Gertzen. How are we doing, Bird? How's it going, Tyler? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Just uh, just finishing up finishing up school, you know, just doing student things. Right. You pulled an all-nighter uh, pretty recently. Would you like to run us through how that went? Uh, I did. It was uh, It was good um i don't recommend it to anyone who thinks about it but i mean it's sometimes you got to do what you got to do right exactly and did you get did you get it done i did get it done it was it was finished that's good to hear man yeah i'm glad to hear about it yeah um the reason we said peak in high school is because we were talking about a, a documentary that was actually recently released about your walnut great your graders uh, your Walnut Gators, the high school you went to, you played basketball there and you're a current member of the TW men's basketball team. Uh, the documentary was titled Bergen's Gators. I don't actually remember the name of who, who did it. Do you, do you know this? Yeah, Ethan Johannes. Okay, Ethan Johannes. Um, made by Ethan Johannes. And Ethan made a documentary about uh coach bergen your high school coach who rode off into the sunset after you guys won the spoiler alert provincial championship in 2017 yeah could you tell tell us about bergen so like you had a part in the like you had a part didn't you have like some interviews as a part of the documentary yeah so pretty much what uh ethan did from what he told me was that he he interviewed I think he said between 30 and like 35 people and got together about like 15 hours of footage, basically from like anywhere from like guys who played for him to uh, guys who played against him, coaches who played against him, kind of his friends, people who kind of watched the program grow. And he, uh, and he pretty much just put together this like 15 minute kind of documentary mini doc on Bergen and on like the two, the two championship teams he had and, kind of his success story there and and yeah that's that's pretty much it now as for an outsider who is ethan and where can we view this documentary uh yeah so ethan johannes is a uh he's a fourth year uh film student at bcit he's a he's a a friend of uh, a friend of mine um and this documentary is actually just up on his youtube channel so i think i believe it's just ethan johannes so just j-o-h-a-n-n-e-s and it's just called bergen's gators so you can just check it out on youtube i think it's in his instagram bio as well um yeah so it's it's just kind of it's just up there yeah anyone can go check it out it's it's really well done it's really well made so i mean i i enjoyed it so um we will also be putting the link to the video in our description but I actually want to ask you, uh, you to- since you told me you were gonna get a- that we are going to get a lot of listens on this episode, please tell us why. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm just, I just I got a feeling, you know? You just think I you're don't... super popular and super oh, cool. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's it, Ty. I don't know if that's it. But, um, you know, I just, I just got a feeling. I got a feeling. We're going to get a lot of listens. All right, I respect that. Viral, some might say. Yeah, yeah, let's go viral. All right, yeah. Go viral. Um, since you're like six foot ten, at what age did you realize that you're just going to be really good at basketball? 
That's a good question. So um, when I was like probably grade four or five, uh, there was this – actually, uh, it was uh, it was Jaden Coey, another one of alumni. His dad um, his dad saw me. Uh, I don't know where it was. And he saw me and he said, like, this kid – I was I was massive. Like, I was 6'4 when I was in grade eight. So I've always just been, like, a huge kid. <laughs> so he, his dad saw me and was like, this kid needs to play basketball. So I, I enrolled into, like, Steve Nash, like, youth basketball. He was my coach for, like, four years. Um, pretty much just kind of, like – kind of like he kind of taught me the game uh and then I went into high school Walnut Grove obviously this this massive um at the time especially a massive kind of basketball oriented high school I don't know I just kept playing played provincial team got to play uh I played with drive which is another AU team got to play kind of in Vegas played against some NBA guys that are in the NBA now uh I've been on a couple mixtapes getting dunked on you know just a little bit of everything so, <laughs> a little bit of everything Okay, I have a couple follow-up questions now. One being, who is the best player that you played against? And then B, who would you say in the NBA you, your game is most relevant to, or who would you try to uh, emulate your game towards? Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. So the NBA one, like, I guess if there is a guy, like, if there's a guy that I want to emulate, this is gonna sound funny, but it'd be like I like I like Jokic because he's big and and he can pass the ball and he can shoot and he kind of does everything. Um, he's not. I'm probably I'm probably more athletic than he is, but I, I like the way he plays. Like I think it's I think it's great. And I think he's I think he's a funny guy. Um, the best player I've ever played against. Uh, there's a few. There's I, I played against uh, I played against Gary Trent Jr. So I was in his mixtape. I'm sure I could find it somewhere if I looked hard enough. Uh, I played against Cassius Stanley. Um, funny story, actually, a, a guy on his team got ejected for uh, spitting on a guy on our team. So, uh, yeah. Wow. I played against a couple, a uh, bunch of guys that went to, that went to like high major schools kind of thing. It was really cool. Cool experience for sure. And you went to UVic for a year, obviously. After you graduated high school, um, but then you ended up transferring to Trinity in your second year of university. So you are going to be a member of the TW Spartans for what is it, four, five years? Of five years, I'm done, yeah. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about that decision making process? Yeah. So um, coming out of high school, I, uh, I had garnered. Uh, quite a bit of interest from um, from a bunch of different schools. Uh, I was looking at I maybe going. I was looking at maybe going up north for a little bit, um, and just kind of around, and then maybe a week or two before the tournament, the provincials. Uvic uh, kind of approached me, shot me a text through uh, Bergen at the time, and was just like, "Hey, let's sit down." So we went out, we had dinner. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, I decided to go out there. I had a great experience. And then uh, and then it kind of just looked like it wasn't going to be what is going to be the right situation for me. So I reached out to the coach at the time and just said, kind of, I want to go back to Trinity. Uh, my entire family kind of went to Trinity as students. So I was it's kind of a family school for me. And so, yeah, it was a great experience to kind of get away from home and to play basketball at, on a team that was very good at the time at UVic and then kind of coming back and take those experiences um, and kind of do with, do with them as, as I could at the time and as I can continue to do. So you were obviously launched into the Trinity Western University men's basketball team who had, uh, it's safe to say a rough patch uh, and you kind of caught the worst year of it. Like, Probably, yeah, you probably caught the worst year of like the rough patch. I don't, I don't know how long that was. Um, tell us, like, like was there ever like regret coming to Trinity, or were you always like convinced, like I still made the right decision? It's just the circumstances aren't exactly what I would like them to be. Um, I think, I think uh, the only time I'm, I think if you look at if you look at things from 
a basketball perspective, it's very easy to have regret in terms of what could have been. And, and like, we joke about like me peaking in high school and, and that kind of stuff, but like I never regretted the decision to come to Trinity because of everything that came with it. But definitely in terms of the basketball, like that was a, that was a tough year. It's been a tough two years, really. The last year as well was a pretty tough year with a couple of circumstances that happened. And I think that for sure, there's times where I thought to myself, like, man, what if I stayed and I see kind of the success that they've been having and they've been, they've been uh, nationally ranked. I think they were once last year and they've been beating these pretty successful teams and, kind of the relationships that I left out there. But I, I don't think there's been any time where I've really intensely thought about what could have been. It's just more of like a passing thought. Yeah, I guess that transition between like high school and college, what were like kind of the few biggest like learning curves that you had to kind of get used to? Um, I would say, I would say definitely like the scheduling and like the time management for sure. Like going from kind of high school where you go to school till three o'clock you practice from three to five and that's it versus coming into university you know you're you're training at 9 a.m to 10 30 then you're lifting from 12 to 1 30 and then you're practicing from 4 to 6 30 every single day and then you're going to class around that so just kind of that that transition of being able to manage my time properly and I mean obviously I've had my fair share of ramen noodle dinners and and I, I mean, I'm saying that as if I did, I just had peanut butter and jam sandwich for dinner. So, I mean, it's still ongoing, kind of struggling and, and kind of figuring out how to, how to live on your own for sure is one of them. But, you know, you kind of you kind of make it through. And you're quite close with like Trevor, with uh, Trevor Pretty. Um, he seems like an awesome players coach. I've had a lot of conversations with him about his philosophies and and such. I just wanted to ask, like, what does his relationship mean to you? You, I know you were baptized recently and you'd invited Trevor to, to come. Yeah, so Trevor and I have known each other for, um, I think, eight years now. So he coached me. He coached me when I was 13, 14. Yeah, 14 when I, uh, when I was trying to make the BC team. So it was, this, it was like the end of my grade eight year. Um, it was really – I had a really big – my kids my age are really big as well with me and a lot of people kind of overlooked me I wasn't the most confident kid I kind of I wasn't the most skilled and and like I'm still I'm still not by any means but I was just big and and I think Trevor Trevor was the first person in my life who saw something in me in terms of being a basketball player and so he invited me out to the trial long story short made the team he coached me and then he coached me the following summer as well um and then when uh when the position opened up for um, the coach, the head coach at our our uh, Trinity here, I, uh, I, sh- I shot him like a message. It was just like, hey, just so you know. And obviously he was doing his stuff with the Raptors um, down in Toronto. But uh, definitely our relationship has, has been something, probably the longest lasting relationship I've had with kind of like this figure of, of authority over me, if that makes sense. Like I've had a lot of teachers who I've kind of, been close with for a few years but with Trevor I've all he's always texting me to check up on me he's always making sure I'm doing well and it's it's extremely impactful and especially in the last two years he's kind of been a big part of of the growth that I've had hence why he was invited to my baptism and, and why I wanted him to be there to experience it's just it's really impactful to have someone who you see um who really I see him more than I see my parents at this point because I see him so many times a day and, and be such an important person in my life yeah, I guess kind of going off a similar line, how do you see, like, how have you seen the team grow so far since you've come to Trinity? And then where do you see the team progressing to uh, in your remaining time here? Um, yeah, so what I've seen, the biggest thing is, is is what we've been trying to do the last two years is shift the culture. You know, as Ty said, we've had, um, we had a bad stretch of about, about five or six years where, it was just a bad culture surrounding the team and, and there's a lot of negativity and continues to be a lot of negativity for sure from, from, uh, from within the team, from the outside of the team, looking in on, uh, on like a variety of platforms and just to really build up uh, an encouragement within one another and shift towards kind of the expectation, um, the expectation to win. And I think that we're making the right steps to be there, you know, success, isn't an overnight story. And I think that it's, 
it's difficult to understand that when you're with when you're kind of in that progression you're in that rebuild mode but i mean if you look at um if you wanted to go like an nba reference you look at a team like the 76ers they won like 12 games like what was it five years ago six years ago and then now they're the top team in the east so it's just it's a slow process, but I'm, I'm pretty confident in Trevor and I'm confident in our guys that we'll kind of get it done and, and that we'll have a really good season next year. I think people also just don't really realize like what the, like how difficult it is to rebuild a college sports program. Like it is one of the tallest tasks a coach can take on. And that's like what Trevor did. He had to, first of all, like he has to, completely revitalize the team's culture because um, it's pretty obvious the, the direction the team was going. There's no way you can have good culture with like the records that were being posted and, and stuff like that. Um, for like you as a guy on the team and you have like other guys on the team, like Dan Stead, who have been like, leaders on the team like what is what does that mean for you like what are the day in day out things that you make sure happen to like revitalize that culture um the nicest thing i think the best thing that um that we have amongst the leaders on our team is we all have a variety of of different leadership styles you know uh, I'm the type of guy who will, I'm, I'll, I'll be pretty, pretty honest with you and pretty straightforward um, in terms of holding people accountable. And I think that's the main thing is just holding that accountability for, for everything. And I'll be pretty honest. And I, and I don't, sometimes I may be too, too blunt versus someone like Dan, who's really good at kind of pulling people aside and having those kind of individual conversations. Um, and then like you can, you can kind of go through all the older guys and the leaders on our team and talk about the positives of each of their, types of leadership. So I think the main thing is just kind of taking advantage of, uh, of our leadership styles and, and continuing to, to use them in a way that um, is beneficial to the team and, and to, to really keep that accountability up and make sure that we're all doing the right things to get better every day. Yeah, I guess as a team, because it's been really hard to kind of get together this year and everything, but like as a team, what have you guys kind of been able to do uh, to kind of continue to keep that bond and that brotherhood going? Um, the main thing we've been doing is uh, we're doing lots of weights. We've been, we've been, luckily we've been able to, uh, to lift weights all year. So that's been really nice. Like three, four days a week, we're all in the weight room together. Um, we've been one of the only schools in the conference who hasn't been shut down yet or hasn't been shut down at all. Sorry. So we've just continued to be doing like our skill development um, for a while there in before the new year, we were having full team practices with scrimmaging. So we've been able to see quite a bit of each other, which has been good and kind of watch each other develop. Um, and just continuing to, to work through that. And summers are always tough, you know, especially in Canada, you, you tend to lose a couple guys every year on the roster and that's always difficult and guys go home and, and we don't have the, we don't necessarily have the finances to keep guys here like they might do like they might have down south. So it's just kind of continuing to to talk to guys and to to encourage them and check up on their progress. Could you tell us a little bit about like what it's been like trying to stay focused this year? It's been such a weird year, obviously, and you haven't been able to have like games where you see legitimate results in like a win loss column kind of thing. Like what is what does that look like? Uh, there's been some positive aspects to it for sure. And some negatives, uh, like we've had, we have a couple of transfers in obviously, um, our guy Q he's, he's got one year left and we've had, we have a couple, couple really good transfers that have come in that would have had to redshirt this year. And now because of this, this year, what, what we've managed to have is we have these transfers that are going to be able to play, um, as well as Q next year. So it's definitely been one of the positives that's come out of this in terms of keeping focus. I think it's just like committing what, what Trevor was saying uh, is just, we've got to win the COVID break. You know, we got to win, we got to keep, keep pushing, keep committing to get better and just treat this as a long off season. And so that's what we've done. We've taken our, we've taken some breaks as well. We're, we're on a bit of a, we've been on a, we were on a bit of a hiatus this month for a couple of weeks, just letting the bodies recover. And, and then we're kind of, we're getting back to it next week, going hard, getting back into, I think it's a 20, 26 week or 24 week, uh, like 
like running regimen and weightlifting regimen to get us ready for next season. Yeah, I know we've had like a couple of your teammates on on the podcast before, and we've both asked this question. Uh, so it's a zombie apocalypse, right? And you can only pick uh, three other teammates to join you in this epic fight to make you survive as long as possible. Who are you picking and why? Three teammates? Um, I'm going to be honest. I got to pick number one's got to be Dan Stead. Dan Stead's got that kid's got some fire in him that when it comes out, it's, it's uncontrollable. He, he's, he's got it in him. Trust me. He's a pretty, he's a pretty soft-spoken dude, but when he, when he gets going, it's, there's no stopping him. So definitely Dan Stead. Um, I'm going to go with uh, my guy Leaf. Same thing. Guy, the guy's a fireball, tons of energy. Guy wouldn't tire out against the zombies. He'll keep, he'll keep going. So we got Leaf. We got Dan Stead. Uh, I got to go with my other roommate then, Aaron Paco. And then finally, uh, I take uh, I take I, I take the other rookie, Jacob Fortune. So there's my my three guys. I think they're I think those guys are are savages. You know, Dan Dan Dan's the guy that would worry me the most in a zombie apocalypse. I'm telling you. What would you say? Like, what would you say you would bring to the table in a zombie apocalypse? Oh, just outstanding, uh, outstanding task, task management, you know, tell, tell people what to do, <laughs> give them the weapons, just, just, just tell them what they're doing wrong, you know, maybe kill a few zombies here and there. Great supervisor. That's your deal. Like, like 10, 11 out of 10 supervisor. All right. All right. No, it's your go-to weapon. Uh, definitely one of those bats with all the nails coming out of it. Really? Yeah, for sure. A little, little, little gross, but I think that I think that'd do the trick. Yeah, I, I would assume so. I I mean I feel like guns would probably do the most trick, but the problem with the guns is like ammo, ammo right? Yeah. This ain't COD. Yeah. This is real. <laughs> it's in a video game, man. This yeah. is real. Like I don't just have points, I can go like sip some juggernaut or whatever it's called on, right? Yeah. Um that's what I'm saying. The bat with the nails coming out of it, that's that's money. Yeah, I, I think that's a good show. That's also like a very you show. Like I could see you just haul. I could see you on like a normal Tuesday hauling around, like just walking around campus with that bat, that just because you're six ten, and like that's why. I mean, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you'll yeah, have to make one this summer, and it's on my off time, and 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 uh, get it, bring it around, or something. Yeah, hundred percent. The intimidation factor would be real. It would be. It would be extreme. Yeah. It already is extreme. Yeah, being sick ten is that is that like a thing? Do people like? Do you feel like ever people are just scared of you because you're so tall? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a thing. Um, in some in some situations with some people, I think people are just more in awe most of the time. Like I get asked every time I go out in public, like at least like three four times how tall I am. It's just like it used to drive me nuts, but. I kind of figured I'd have to get used to it now because it's always happened. So I don't know if many people are scared of me. I think I think once they get to know me, they're not scared of me because I'm pretty I'm pretty soft. Yeah, I'm not scared of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty soft, so not much to be scared of. What would you say are like a couple big benefits to being how tall you are? Uh, <laughs> I could uh, I can reach the top shelf. That's really nice. In the place we live in now, it's a uh, couple of co- Aaron, Peko, and uh, Dan Stead there. We live in a place and we, we always use the top shelves to store stuff and, and their girlfriends <laughs> come over, people come over and they can never reach it because it's <laughs> so high. Like we use like above the stove to store our like salt and pepper and stuff. And it's like seven feet high. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely one benefit. I don't know about anymore. I don't know. I'm pretty, I mean, it helps with basketball, I guess. What are, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of, like, cons to it, though. Like, how brutal is, like, flying on a plane or, like, even just, like, sitting in the backseat in a car? Obviously, you're probably not stuck in the backseat very often. But. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess that's another pro is I get to take the front of the car. But flying is usually pretty, pretty bad. Um, usually, I can, like, I can kind of flash a smile and, and really, really uh, kiss up to the, the flight attendants for them to give me, like, an exit row. I've been upgraded to like business class a few times if I'm really nice and they're really nice. But flying, of course, is like an obvious one. Like 
I have to duck when I'm in planes. Like I can never stand up straight, no matter what the plane is. <laughs> so that's a tough one. Like the little the prop planes, like the ones that fly you from like Saskatchewan to Manitoba. Those kind of planes are just a mess. Like you're just like I'm just in a ball for for an hour. Um, I've 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 got stitches once because I split my head open on the top of like a door frame. That was one too. So a couple a couple of tough ones for sure, but. But nothing too bad. Um, okay, I guess a question for you: Who's a player that you would just love to dunk on in the NBA? Like, who's a player that just really grinds your gears that you would just love to kind of give them their Kodak moment? I grind my gears. Oh, I don't know. Like, Draymond Green really drives me nuts. I don't like him. I think he would be under a lot of people's hoops for sure. Yeah, I don't like him. He he drives me insane. I don't like the, I don't like the triple singles. Not a big fan. Posted. Sorry, Draymond, if you're listening, but he def he's definitely listening because this episode's going viral. So going viral. I bet you it's actually that moment. <laughs> At Andrew Gertson says that he would want to dunk on Draymond Green. <laughs> Um, I didn't enough mixtapes, man. I got to be in something else. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe have your own mixtape where you're just dunking on people. Yeah, maybe next year. What was the age? Because I feel like you being so tall, you probably like thought you were going to the NBA at some point. I know I I realized I wasn't going to the NBA in grade four. My brother told me that I sucked at basketball, and he was right. Um, what was your age that you realized that you're just not going to go to the NBA? Definitely like 15, 14. Um, yeah, actually, I was 14. I went to my first NBA game. It was at Madison Square Garden. And it was the Knicks versus the Raptors. And I was watching uh, I was watching Jason Kidd warm up. We were there like three hours early. And I was watching him warm up. And he hit like, like 30 or 40 straight threes. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to be that good ever. Like, no chance. And that was a Jason Kidd. And, and at that point, it was like the end of his career. It was like, I think this was like 2013. And like, he, I think he hit like one three that game, and that's all he played. And that wasn't even like remotely close to the best player on the floor. Who are like some of your favorite players growing up? Uh, I've always been a big LeBron fan. I kind of I get a lot of grief from people. I follow LeBron wherever he goes. Like I'm a Lakers fan right now. I was a Cavs fan when he was in Cleveland. Like I'm one of those, one of those guys. Um, I always liked Blake Griffin when he's on the Clippers. I've always been a big Blake Griffin fan. Um, I don't know. Those are definitely like the main two, the main two guys. I I really like. I really like how Jokic played. I was saying that before. Yeah, just those are probably the three guys. And you're a big golfer too. Like you, you recently picked it up. And funny enough, we actually played around yesterday. Uh, like, would you if you could if you could rewrite everything? Would you have been a golfer instead? The first six foot ten PGA professional. Instead, if I could rewrite everything, I would have started golfing when I was like five instead of twenty or nineteen. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Let's say yes for the sake of for the sake of entertainment on this viral podcast. Let's say yes. I'd I'd rather be a golfer. Uh, are any of your teammates big golfers? Uh, we got a couple guys who who can who, who can hit who can hit the golf ball for sure, but uh, but yeah, no, everyone everyone likes everyone likes a little golf here and there for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. Who would you say is the best at golf on your team? The best golfer is probably probably Mitch Morgan. Yeah. Really? I didn't expect that. Does he wear pajamas on the golf course? Yeah, he as complains well? about how he pulled all nighters and woke up at six a.m. Where did the name Big Bird come from? Because, like, that is by far your most. It's like you are known as Bird. Yeah. So my uh, one of my good friends, um, when I was younger, a couple of my good friends, they they said I looked, I was super tall and like super scrawny. They said I looked like like uh, like Larry Bird back in the day, and then uh, and then that kind of just transformed into me looking like big bird from sesame street and it just 
it really it, it stuck it stuck hard so it's followed me it followed me to uvic and no one at uvic even knew that was my nickname um it came back with me here it's just been my nickname since i was about 11 so interesting that it started with larry bird i would actually never would have guessed that because i just would have thought, gone straight to sesame street yeah um but i guess going off the larry bird thing he's one of the greatest trash talkers of all time uh did you pick up that gene at all uh and if so do you have do you have any good trash talking stories since your last name is bird as well to add that in um i haven't i don't talk a lot i used to i used to be a bad talker actually believe it or not me and ty used to play against each other quite a bit and me and ty used to get after it we used to (laughs) we used to talk so much trash to each other we did not like each other at all um i don't have much memory of it but ty but ty does um i used to love talking trash and our team was good so i was it was even more fun in terms of like a story um i got like nothing 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 off the top of my head like i've i've said some offside things to like referees before but nothing to a player (laughs) fair I have a good uh, story, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we should bring it up. Uh, and it's actually featuring Andrew Gertzett. So um, maybe we can save that for Mars Hill Unfiltered, Uranus Valley, <laughs> yeah. if that ever launches. Um, <laughs> but um, Aaron Petkow is like a good friend of yours. Uh, you guys, he was like someone, like he kind of like, I don't know if he took you under his wing, but like you guys, lived on the same floor in uh, your first year at Trinity. Tell us about that relationship, because obviously that's one that's meant a lot to you. Yeah. So uh, Aaron and I, uh, we met in the, in the Philippines. Um, we, went, we went on a trip together down there and, and I didn't really like him at first. I thought he was a bit of a, I thought he was a bit of a, of a, of a hothead. Um, I thought he had a bit, I thought he was he's a bit annoying and then funnily enough like over the course of the first few months of the season he was driving me to practice and slowly we just kind of connected and we developed a, a pretty good relationship and and continue on he's obviously one of my best friends and um, yeah we've just me and him get along really well and, and we we have some really good uh, really good times together so yeah, he's definitely been one of the more impactful relationships that I've had since I've gone to Trinity. It's been really great. He's a great dude. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that because he was in my first year. Uh, even he was in my dorm my first year, even though uh, I did get into a prank war with him. But I'll I'll leave that for another time. But Mars Hill unfiltered. Yeah, for Mars Hill unfiltered for sure. Uranus um, Valley, please yeah. get the. You need to plug Uranus Valley. <laughs> um, yeah, what was my what was my next question? Oh yeah, I guess going into the new year with um, I guess hopefully like everything will be back to normal. What are like some of your goals as like an individual, but also uh, as a team as well? Like, where do you really want to see yourselves um, come the end next year? Yeah, so some of my individual goals are definitely to be the best. Uh, the best big in the conference. I think that that's something that I, I would, would love to do and, and work towards. In terms of a team, I think that we're developing well and I think that we could, our goal right now is just to be in contention for playoffs and to, to aim for, aim to be 500 and, and continue just to build on that year after year. But just getting better every day for sure. Just making sure that, that we're on the uptrend and we're, we're continually, continuously improving and and I think that if we do that, we're going to be all right. Is there like a little bit of like, was there ever like a little bit of love lost for basketball when like, let's say like your first two years at Trinity, like was that must've been hard. Yeah, definitely. My first year at Trinity after I transferred, there was a lot of love lost um, through a lot of like personal and, and, uh, and, ex- and extenuating circumstances there there was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of lack of passion that I had, and and I definitely had some moments where I kind of thought like, oh, this might be it. This could be this could be the end. And, but I mean, continuing 
to sort of persevere through that. I think that anything that anything that you're passionate about, um, you are going to have moments like that and, and maybe periods where you're not you're not so so fond of it. But if you continue to kind of persevere, like I feel like I did, and I've really grown to kind of love basketball again and to to kind of enjoy the process and enjoy the the entirety of of, of what I'm doing and the situations that I'm in. Well, we're glad to hear that you have a good mindset on uh, all these things, Bird. Um, anyways, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Any uh, parting notes on maybe reconsidering your zombie apocalypse uh, team or just for like what people should be looking out for next year? Let's say uh, look out for look out for some fast paced some fast paced basketball and uh, and some wins. Sounds great. Anyways, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. And that's going to wrap up episode 72 of the Mars Hill Sports Podcast. We will see you for our final episode next week. For now, bye-bye.